a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.15, you're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning, again today the 25th of October. And in studio with us this morning, we have guests from the Murfreesboro City School System and with us communication specialist, Tori Carr, and also Case and Lane Academy Principal, Dr. Caitlin Bullard. How are y'all this morning? We are great. How are you? Good, good. A little wet out there this morning, it I guess. It is. Um, sorry to all the teachers and principals who are doing uh, uh, bus duty and car duty this morning. I'm sure they have their umbrellas and rain jackets handy. Nothing yeah. like a rival in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> On a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so it really starts off your week. Great. <laughs> and then, of course, Halloween's coming up this weekend. Uh, I, I'm guessing a lot of teachers are, you know, bringing candy to school and all that fun stuff. Um, Keep the kids energized. You know, secretly probably <laughs> doing that. <laughs> I think most of them know to save it for Thursday afternoon. It's <laughs> a, a good idea. Now, speaking of Halloween coming up and all of that, uh, the kids actually have a little extra time off, I they guess, do. this coming weekend? Yes, they do. So um, the teachers and staff have an in-service day this Friday, October 29th, which leads into that Halloween weekend and then um, November 1st. So a week from today, schools are also closed for our student-led conferences. And that is where parents can come in and they meet with the teacher and they bring their child and um, they talk about what's going on in the classroom what's going on with their child and just kind of checking in so you know used to your parents would go in without you and you know talk about you (laughs) and um, but now we really uh, bring the the students into those conversations so they get to share what's going on in the classrooms um, and they get to show their parents what what are they doing what some of their artwork what some of their schoolwork look like you know a lot of these um parents might not have been in our schools over the last year and a half and so we um, are really encouraging the parents are coming into the schools and um, seeing the school once again for the first time maybe for these uh, first grade parents and um, the the students just get to to share what's going on Um, you know Dr. Bullard brought some questions so we really want to help parents prepare you know once again they they might not have seen their teacher face to face some of these parents and they might not have seen the school so um you know we really want to help them as much as possible and have a great a great meeting for them yeah schools look like totally different over the last year and a half or so because of covid so uh i'm sure it is going to be especially for incoming students who have never been to school before i guess Mm -hmm. this year um it, it is quite different it is Well, and our students really spend all year preparing for these conferences because they set their goals and they check in with their teacher throughout the year and they build this portfolio and they get really excited about sharing their progress with their parents. And so we want to empower parents to feel just as excited about hearing what the students are learning from the student's perspective. Um, And that's where those questions that Tori brought up um, come in is just knowing what to ask your child and what to ask their teacher. So things like what are your strengths and what are your areas for growth? How are you performing so far? 
are? How can we help at home with what you're already learning? Um, and what type of assessments have you completed? And how do you know if you're moving forward towards your goals? Those are questions that we love to hear our parents ask of their students because your students really are equipped to answer those questions and they're very excited to share their progress with parents. I think a great one that we have on this list, um, like just the parent asking, do you need any extra help in any of the subjects? You know, I think as a kid, I would have been like, yes, math, just let me have all the extra help. But some of those students might be a little shy. And so they, you know, that might be the first time that the parent is asking that, you know, you, you just think, I think we all think our kids are 10 out of 10 and everything. And so asking those, uh, those kids what, what they might need some extra help in could really start great conversations. And these parent-teacher conferences start this coming Friday, is that right, or Thursday? They start, um, they actually start on Monday. So I was totally off. <laughs> good, good. So a week from today, and, you know, we're really encouraging parents to get in the buildings and meet those teachers. But, of course, we're always accommodating if parents need to do it um, via Zoom, then our teachers are going to schedule some time for that as well. Are we seeing you know, normal numbers now in the school system as far as the number of students actually in the classroom? Or are some parents still saying, well, I want to keep my child at home because of XYZ and fears of COVID? Right. Um, so mandated by the state, we um, are only in person this year. So we are not offering any distance learning options unless that child is on quarantine. So the parents that did choose to distance learn had to unenroll with Murfreesboro City Schools and um, enroll in an online program. Okay, so they're doing either homeschool or they're doing the online curriculum, I guess, through the state, or is that the same thing, basically? Um, that's a, I would say it might be a little different. It, yeah, so they may have enrolled in a homeschool or an umbrella school, or they may have chosen to go with a virtual option, which is actually private and not provided through the state. Um, but there are several different options there that parents have. And then this coming Friday, you've got a teacher in-service day. What mm -hmm. takes place on those days? So all of our teachers have the opportunity to attend breakout sessions provided by central office, depending on what their grade level or their special area needs. Um, and then through the afternoon, we have building level professional development opportunities for teachers to plan collaboratively um, and just make sure that they're presenting students with really high quality instruction for the remainder of the semester. And then at Case and Lane, I, I know Case and Lane received some more, I, I guess, grant money through the uh, different STEM programs available through the state of Tennessee. Some may be at the federal level. I don't know, but what what all is going on there? Yeah, so we're really excited about the direction we're moving. Last year, we did receive a STEM designation from the state of Tennessee, and along with that came a $10,000 grant from TSIN um, that we are very excited about expanding our STEM programs with that. And then we also received uh, a grant through the Richard, Richard Siegel Foundation. And so one of the things that we're doing is looking to expand agriculture at Case and Lane. We have a very large campus, and so we're moving forward with um, a plans for a pond, plans for um, some fruit trees, some uh, expanded garden areas. So those are all things that we're doing with those grant funds. And for those who don't know where Case and Lane is, it's obviously on Case and Lane, <laughs> yes. but it's in the middle of quite a few different subdivisions. So a pond there would be kind of kind of cool. Absolutely. And it's our hope that we can just make students learning experiences authentic and give them the opportunity to really get hands on with what they're learning in science. Um, and a pond is one of the ways we want to do that. And over the past few years, there's been a lot of talk about STEM and uh, just, I, I guess, focusing on different sciences and technology. What else does STEM 
actually focus on and, and what does STEM stand for? Yeah, so STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. Sometimes you'll hear it as STEAM, and that A can stand for art, it can stand for agriculture. We kind of take it both ways at Case and Lane. Um, and so one of the things that you'll see in addition to just our science and technology programs at um, not only Case and Lane, but the other STEM designated schools throughout Murfreesboro City is a, a focus on project-based learning and on really expanding students' understanding of the habits of mind and 21st century skills. So we talk a lot about collaboration and critical thinking and being a good citizen. Um, and those are things that are really important to us as an elementary STEM designated school. Now, I know at the college level, MTSU had talked about this in the past. There was a push to get, I guess, more women into the sciences and technology. Is that something being done also at the local level or the, you know, I guess elementary level? It's just more broad. So one of the things absolutely that we focus on is really representing a diverse population in STEM and that's been a huge priority for us as a Title I school is making sure that all students from diverse backgrounds um, of all genders, of all races, that they all have access to the same opportunities as far as STEM goes. And so that's definitely we want to show our students that um, scientists and engineers can look like a lot of different things and there's not one way that they can look. Um, and so that diversity piece is big for us, yes. Now with city school zoning in Murfreesboro, are most of the students there at Case and Lane in that Case and Lane area where all those subdivisions are? Yes, so most of our students are local and in our zone. Um, however, we've been an open zone school for a few years, so we do have some students on zone waivers as well. Okay, and, and uh, again, I guess just kind of give us an overall picture of Case and Lane. How many students are actually there? Yeah, so we have about 775 students. Um, we have about 54% uh, economically disadvantaged. We have an incredibly diverse population um, from all different backgrounds, from different countries, um, and kind of across the board, we serve pre-K through sixth grade as well. And that's kind of the overall population of Rutherford County. I mean, we, we have so many different backgrounds that have come here over the years. Seems like nobody's actually from Murfreesboro. You know, <laughs> these days everybody's from other areas. But at Case and Lane Academy, um, what are you seeing as far as, you know, pre-COVID, there were X amount of children who were, you know, below the poverty level. Now that COVID has been here, the COVID pandemic, have you seen an increase of those who are, I guess, considered to be uh, in the poverty level? Um, ours has definitely been in flux and the year before um, COVID happened we were rezoned and so that was a shift in our demographics as well um, and then you know we ha we are higher than we were pre-COVID as far as our number of students who are economically disadvantaged um, but there's definitely a shift and we're kind of a, a population in flux constantly um, but thankful for that diversity because that's part of what lends itself to the great collaboration our students have. And with some of this grant money, you know, with the, the STEM and everything and the building of the pond, when will this take place? I mean, does Case and Lane have the funds in hand to go ahead and move forward with some of these things? We do, and we received permission from our board just a couple of weeks ago to go ahead and proceed. So we look forward to continuing that conversation and are very hopeful that this will be able to take place in the spring. And how large of a pond are you talking about here? <laughs> so we do not have the blueprints yet, um, but we're thinking approximately 10 feet across and two to three feet deep in the center um, with sloping sides and just the opportunity for wildlife to really be explored there. Now, will this be the only city school that actually has their own pond? Um, some of our other schools do have ponds. Irma Siegel. Irma Siegel has Irma, a pond. Yes. Mm -hmm. Are they, they might be the only yes. other ones. So, yeah. um, they actually have a pond kind of, um, in between, uh, 
two of their wings and so they have a very nice pergola out there it's kind of an outdoor classroom experience too for the students i'm sure you guys will utilize that as well um taking that learning outside i think we found just really gives those students just that extra space that extra creativity that some days you know you just you need to get outside yeah yeah you you know it it always seems like kids learn better with real hands-on type things i mean it's it's definitely proven and and speaking of hands-on you know field trips were something that schools used to do a a lot of Mm -hmm. but is that something of the past or is that something that is still taking place field trips well, one of the things that uh, COVID taught us was that that can look a lot of different ways. So this past year and a half, a lot of our teachers and our students have participated in virtual field trips. And I think that's something that won't go away even as traditional field trips come back. Um, I know at Case and Lane, we're planning for a walking field trip for our students. Our students are gonna walk down to the Greenway and the trailhead. Um, and so we're just thinking outside the box of different ways that field trips can look and still keep our students safe. And of course, the, the Greenway trailhead, Case and Lane, that's not too far away from the actual school correct okay so give us some more ideas on things uh what we're going to see in the future here within the city school system with the changes of covid and everything you know i i think that we're just really i think just like everyone else we are trying to move forward in an unknown world so the only thing we've known for the past year and a half is covid But now we like dr bullard said is those um virtual field trips you know that actually saves the school a lot of money to not take the whole third grade to, I don't know, the zoo. Yeah. Well, and the other piece of that, too, is that we can go places on a virtual field trip that we never could have gone otherwise. So last year, all of our third graders visited Yellowstone National Park virtually, and they got to interact with people who actually man those exhibits. But that's not something that would have been realistic mm-hmm. for us to do previously. And so, I've seen a lot, some of our schools kind of um, adopt those pen pals or a different school in a different state. And so um, that just get it's just a, one additional aspect that virtually is amazing that we've never really, you know, you never really had to think about that. How can you talk with someone uh, in New York or in Maine and what what does that look like other than writing a letter? Right. It's pretty cool, though. They, they got to do a field trip basically not in person, but Mm -hmm. Yellowstone National Mm -hmm. Park. So what did that look like? I mean, did you have... Was it in every classroom? Was it a certain grade? What what happened? How did it work? So for our third graders, it went along with the science and social studies standards they were working on. And we um, actually participated through Zoom in every classroom. It put, they put it up on the clear touch board and they had a webcam so that the um, person speaking to them could see our students. And they were able to lead them through each exhibit um, within the actual museum. And then they were able to talk uh, to them a little bit about the different adaptations of species, which is what our students were researching. Um, and then they taught them the wolf how at the end and they were able to hear each other and see each other which was really neat um just it adds that layer of being able to react to each other so when you talk about field trips like that in the future and that was you know at case and lane uh, is there a cost involved outside of just you know basically using zoom Sometimes there is, but most often we found that these organizations, um, they really want to continue partnerships and continue education and that they are offering these things for free because that's the best way for them to continue to get out in the community. And I guess that one would be through the national parks that hosted this Zoom conference or (laughs) Zoom. What, what, What do you actually call 
these type of field trips? I mean, just remote field trips? We call them a virtual field trip. Okay, yeah. virtual. See, and you, <laughs> you have to think, you know, just I would love to go to Yellowstone. So next time you do that, I'm going to join Tag you along, guys. definitely. <laughs> do kids really learn a lot by interacting with these like park rangers and stuff via Zoom? Yes, absolutely. And so our students will, kind of like I said, for student conferences, our students will take time preparing questions that they get to ask um, and formulating those those higher order questions about things that they've been researching and making those connections. And so having that face-to-face connection is really powerful for them. Yes. It sounds pretty cool. And, and I'm, I'm curious, does the park ranger actually lead them on a, a walk through <laughs> Yellowstone or is it just stationary so in our um, field trip we did last year they went on a walk through one of the exhibits um, and then they were able to scroll through their own pace through the national park okay that's pretty cool and and more of those I guess to come absolutely that's something that all of our grade levels do as part of our project-based learning is those virtual field trips and even I think when we're back in person um, for traditional field trips they will continue to do those virtual because they just expand our horizons so do all the city schools do the same field trips or different schools focus on different areas different schools focus on different areas and you know it's all tied around to the standards so whatever they're researching or whatever they're learning then the field trip will be based around that and I've known that um, a couple of schools have actually brought in authors and so the class or the grade level got to meet the author of the book that they were reading and so you know that costs a lot of money for you to fly in get a hotel stay here visit a school for an hour so I think just doing that virtually but the author gets to interact with the kids and the kids man they prepare so much I've walked in and they each kid had 10 questions (laughs) and so you know the teacher has to pick okay only one question for five of you so this kind of stuff was not being done previous to COVID-19. I think it was just not at the capacity that it is now. I think the, you know, the Zoom, just having that in our classrooms is amazing. And it gives so many more possibilities for people to come in. Teachers might have used Skype or whatever platform the author or the program wanted to use. But now, Zoom is so popular. And I think, too, out of necessity, all of these organizations developed options for online learning um, during the pandemic. And so there are more things that are available to us that we might not have been able to previously access. And for the schools out there, is there like a, a list of organizations that help work with different schools and classrooms on, uh, you know, different field trip ideas? Well, we collaborate with the other schools in Murfreesboro City, um, and then we, of course, get ideas from TSIN's Middle Tennessee STEM Hub. Um, And so there's not one set list, but if you reach out, generally there are people willing to help, and that's been the biggest thing that we've learned in in communicating with community partners. Um, And then we also use Skype a scientist, which is accessible to anyone, um, and they can set you up with different scientists with different uh, specialties, depending on what you want to study. Again, right now the time, 8.34. We're going to take a short break, and in studio with us, we have guests from the Murfreesboro City School System. We have communications specialist Tori Carr and then also Cason Lane Academy principal Dr. Caitlin Bullard. And when we come back, I guess let's talk a little bit more about the different STEM designations within Cason Lane and uh, also what we can expect 
I guess, in the future at Case and Lane, too. <laughs> Sounds good. Time right now, 834. Again, we have more news and information coming up. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country, and we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who fought in the Vietnam War. We're talking with Russell Ashton. When did you serve in the military? What branch and all of that? United States Army. I went in in 1967 and I got out in November of 1969 and my last service was over in Vietnam. I'm just uh, glad to be here. What was it like when you first went in? I was just a little country boy, just got out of high school, and your uncle called me and said, get on a Greyhound bus and go to Nashville, you know? I mean, I was frightened. I guess uh, that might be good for some people, that, that might get them closer to God to go to war. Were you in the thick of everything? I was with the 173rd Airborne Brigade. I guess you could say we were doing our share. I made 17 jumps out of the airplanes and stuff. Of course, those old T-10 shoots that we had back then, buddy, you just crashed and burned. That's all it was. I mean, you hit the ground. A lot of times I think that could be a lot of my hearing problems because you jump out of a plane that's got the props or I jumped out of the C-141s, that's the jet. That's a lot of noise just to walk in. Too. Was that scary jumping out of those planes? Uh, 18 years old, what do you call it, 5 foot 10 and bulletproof. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One, MiddleTennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. Old friends, new better together as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank our focus is on you we're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County but will always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve we're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard capstar.com member FDIC equal housing lender The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 8.38, you're tuned to WGNS. Again on this Monday morning, and in studio with us, we have guests from the Murfreesboro City Schools. And uh, with us today, Tori Carr, Communications Specialist, and Case and Lane Academy Principal, Dr. Caitlin Bullard. And we were talking about STEM within Cason Lane, but then also there's, I guess, other city schools outside of Cason Lane. <laughs> there I are. understand. Maybe not to you, Dr. Bullard, but there are, <laughs> there are. 12 other schools uh, within Murfreesboro cities. So, you know, we were just 
you know, you just kind of talk. And I was thinking whenever you were saying the number of students that um, are in your building, that west side is just, we it's are growing. just maxed over there. I think both of us kind of live on that side of town. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, I'm in that Salem, uh, Salem zone and I see those houses going up like crazy. <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of development out there, especially going towards Eagleville, then South mm-hmm. Church Street as well. I mean, there's... Right. It is pretty crazy. So I, I'm at some point they're going to have to add another school out yeah, that yeah, direction. That, we hope so. I think, and <laughs> yeah, and so I think you know whenever we take a look at just how many students are in our schools, it's just to me it's just mind blowing. You know we're right at over nine thousand right now. So you think about all the all the kids in the county or in just the city. I mean nine thousand are in our schools. It's a lot of a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. Your your hallways are busy. Yes, I was there on Friday. They are very busy. (laughs) And how many per year are we adding here in the city of Murfreesboro? What what are you seeing as far as student population growth? You know, I think those numbers um, are a little skewed this year because of COVID last year. So um, we've added three hundred students this year than we ended with the school year last year. Now I will know more this next year about what those numbers really look like with kids moving in and families moving in um, and really just kind of balancing at balancing it out after covid now what other schools are designated stem schools or are they all stem focused now um you know i think a lot of our schools even if they're not stem designated we're really focused on stem and steam so you got to get that art and that agriculture in there too um but we have five schools that are stem designated so overall creek that was our first really stem designated school um their principal don barch has done a phenomenal job at just kind of leading the way for um i would say all murfreesboro city schools so overall creek discovery school and irma siegel Cason Lane and Bradley. So we have schools on the middle, the west side, the north side of town. We're really, um, you know, focused on that that STEM aspect. But this year, Hobgood, Salem, and Black Fox are going towards that STEM designation. And so it is it is a long process, isn't it? It is. It's, it's a long process, and there's more to it than just teaching STEM. Um, it takes into account the way that teachers plan and analyze their data. It takes into account those 21st century skills I was talking about earlier. So there's a lot of different factors that go into play. So I think we can be really proud as the district of the number of STEM-designated mm-hmm. schools that we have. And um, as far as elementary schools, so it started out really high school focus, and you know we took that as saying if if they can do it, we can do it too. Yeah. Um, so really focusing for those kids to to get that hands on learning. How you were saying, you know, women in science and those diverse backgrounds. Um, we really want to ensure that our kids can can do anything, and especially those STEM focused uh, careers. I mean, we I think. I think we all need those. (laughs) So so with more focus on technology and sciences, are you having to hire more science teachers, more teachers who are, you know, from a background that may be related to IT even? I, I mean, what are you seeing when you go to hire? 
So not necessarily. Um, we really do a lot to build the capacity of the teachers that we currently have in our building. So we've done a lot of science-focused PD um, just as a district over the past few years. And then several schools do things differently as far as whether we have STEAM as a related art. Um, we do in my building, and I have a fabulous assistant who runs that. Um, but we really build capacity from within using professional learning. So I guess a lot of continuing education is, is what helps you know, build programs like, like this. Absolutely. We're all continuing to learn even as adults. <laughs> Are there certain requirements that teachers have to have, you know, however many hours of continuing education, you know, under their belt each year? So there are requirements from the state as far as general continuing education, but for that STEM designation, there's not. Um, TSIN just looks at schools making sure that they are focusing intentionally on the professional learning they provide and continuing to build teachers' capacity to teach in a STEM format. And within the city school system, how much interaction is there with the business community locally and bringing in different business leaders to kind of point children in the right direction, I guess, and, you know, career choices down the road. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, you you asked that question. That's a great question because we just had a meeting with our community partners and, you know, we are so fortunate. I looked around that room and we have business leaders, we have church members, we have MTSU professors, we have um, other MTSU employees. And you just look around and I feel like we're so so thankful for our community partners and they bring so much into the schools and um, our work with the chamber of really getting those uh, businesses into our schools i know that turner construction just visited hopgood last week and so think about you know we were talking about the virtual field trips well they brought it to to the school and just to kind of show those students hey here's what we here's what we do and you you might see our name on the side of on the side on the side of the road but let's kind of break that down and i guess with virtual field trips kids are able to go to areas where they never could safely go before right like, like on a construction right, site. right. so yeah. that's it's pretty cool that technology has opened the door for a lot of this mm -hmm. new stuff with field trips and and with learning and you know you, we keep talking about those virtual field trips one of my favorite things i think i've seen are Google expeditions. And so um, it's a little joke. I call them Google goggles, but it is you, you put those goggles on your face and kids go to Brazil. They can go to Australia. They can go to New York city and it is all through Google. And you, the, you know, you just think like now it gives those kids just one extra thing to really look forward to. Hey, this is going to, I'm really going to go to Brazil in person, but that's really expensive so let's take it down and let's let them do that here in our schools so how does that work google goggles google expeditions yeah. so it's kind of like virtual reality goggles that allow students to see in 3d um and so it kind of as you move and manipulate just like with vr goggles um they are able to move around the different locations that's pretty wild so does google i guess you buy these through google correct yes. and, and then not like google maps but I guess similar, but yet it looks more realistic. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's like oh, the street view kind of. It is a street view. And it is, you know, so I know um, some of our tech coaches, our instructional technology coaches really help out with that. And a couple of our schools have received these through grants from the foundation. Um, so the foundation purchased them for the school or for two schools to share. 
Um, so I know overall Creek has a set. So majority of the time when I go into their buildings, there are kids lying the hallway and they, they have those (laughs) goggles on and they're looking up and down and I've tried them. They're a little, uh, they make me a little dizzy. They can disorient (laughs) you a little. So there's enough for a whole classroom to Mm -hmm. go on a field trip together to wherever. Yes. And, um, it comes with, I believe, um, some instructions from the teacher. And so she can, she knows what they're seeing, but she can also, um, follow along and kind of uh, teach them what they're seeing and what it's about. And, and this is done, I guess, through the internet, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Google has a variety of, what, tourist options? Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. <laughs> that, that is pretty neat. And how expensive are these Google glasses things? Uh, <laughs> there's a couple thousand dollars. Um, well, there's grants available yes, to help pay for these. Yes, there are grants available. You know, like I said, the City Schools Foundation, um, they have actually purchased a few of these. And so, you know, there, there's always grants available. Yeah. Well, and there's other ways to do it and make it accessible for students, even mm-hmm. if you don't have the funds. So um, we don't have the Google goggles at our school, but we do go on Google Expedition. So we still get that um, experience for our kids. You know, technology is pretty cool. There's no telling what's going to be next within, <laughs> you know, the education right. system. Yes. But, but yeah, a lot of changes for sure. And again, this morning, we've been talking with communications specialist Tori Carr and then also Case and Lane Academy principal, Dr. Caitlin Bullard. And uh, we appreciate y'all joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank have you a, for having have us. Have a happy Monday. Yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful rain. <laughs> That's right. And coming up next, we're going to have an interview with someone local about an upcoming holiday marketplace. It's going to be right here in Murfreesboro, the Lane Agri Park. Time right now is 847. A check on the weather is next. Mainly cloudy this afternoon, high in the mid-70s, breezy winds. Tonight's mostly cloudy early, then clearing low of 46, high of 64 on Tuesday. I'm meteorologist Laura Lockwood on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 61.